on the count of three, we would break them. One. Your kingdom's coming down. You've ruled long enough. Two over every insecurity, small-minded thinking. Three. It's over. You can't measure a miracle. You can't measure a miracle. The greatest revival is now. The greatest The sermon excerpt that you just heard was Reverend Matthew Tuttle preaching the message entitled You Can't Measure a Miracle on Friday Night at NAYC 19. A sermon and a night that changed the lives of at least 36,000 people that gathered together to worship Jesus Christ and celebrate the apostolic movement across North America. Today I'm so honored and privileged to have Brother Tuttle as a guest on the Noteworthy Podcast We had such an incredible conversation. I'm so excited to share it with you. Uh, Brother Tuttle and I actually met uh, just a couple months ago here in Georgia. He preached uh, the Winter Youth uh, Conference at the DeKalb United Pentecostal Church. And man, it was just such a privilege to get to know him. And we connected and were able to work out this interview. Just a couple of quick announcements I want to make before we dive into the interview. If you're listening on April 2nd, we are hosting a night of worship online with our friends. We're teaming up with our friends Brittany Scott, Frankie Taylor, and Eleni Young. And it's going to be a night of apostolic music streamed out on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. And we're just very excited to get to worship with you. It's called For Me and My House. And it's going to be an acoustic worship set with all apostolic artists streaming into your living rooms to give us a time of worship and help us through this crazy crisis. One more quick announcement. April 3rd, the very next day on that Friday, is the release of Rachel and I's new EP entitled Tell the World. Three brand new songs. That will be available anywhere music is sold. We sure hope that you can pick that up on iTunes or Google Play, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever you like to listen. Be sure to go pick up a copy of that. Thank you guys for all the support. And I'm very excited about today's episode. Thank you for tuning in with my friend, Matthew Tuttle. It's going to bless your soul. Let's go. Brother Tuttle, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Man, I am so thankful to have this opportunity to speak with you today. How are you uh, holding up through the quarantine? Hey, we're doing well, man. We really are, and things are uh, 
doing good, and thank you for the the high honor of uh, of this uh, interview or podcast. Oh, thank you, sir, man. I I am. Uh, such a fan and just been so blessed by your ministry uh, at Congress. And, and what an honor it was to uh, have you here in Georgia. For those that are listening, Brother Tuttle just preached our Winter Youth Conference here in Georgia before the world blew up and everybody <laughs> had to stay home. Man, you blessed us so much. And I, it was so nice getting to connect with you when you were here. Oh, absolutely. It was my just a great privilege. And uh, that was just, I was I've told several people since it was one of the best meetings maybe I've ever preached. Just oh, the, wow. the dynamics, the power. I'd never, uh, it's really my first time to really interact kind of with the Georgia district and uh, oh, unbelievable. Jesus. What an amazing thing. So I, I commend you. I know you serve there on the uh, youth committee and yes, sir. and your team. And, and of course, Brother Weidman, great, great, great job y'all are doing there. Oh my goodness. Brother Weidman, man, he is just top notch, a dear friend. And I, I thank God for that conference. Um, I love how it's just completely packed, and I think you yeah. and I, we talked about a, li- a little bit about that, the psychology of a packed-out building and how powerful that is. Yeah, definitely. It was. It's amazing. I mean, you know, that building seats six or 700, I don't know, but then to have 900, 1,000 people jammed in there, uh, you know, it may be not the most conducive to brand new people, but we're, none of us were brand new in there. And, and, and the new ones all got the Holy ghost, I think. So it worked <laughs> out. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome, man. Well, uh-huh. I was, uh, I was texting you last week and, and I, I told, I told him, I said, um, Hey man, I know you're busy and I know it's a lot going on. And, and he responded back and said, Oh, I'm not busy. I'm just doing a lot of work for my wife. <laughs> How's that been going for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're quarantined in here and we're trying to kind of, uh, obey the laws of the land, be a good example to those that we lead. And, uh, right. so that's, that's, uh, kind of been our thing. So yeah, we've been getting, getting all those, uh, to do lists done and, uh, Michelle's pretty happy. So, well, uh, I've got a bathroom that needs to be painted and my wife keeps looking at me, uh, yeah. and she's ready for me to get it done. So I'm probably going to have to get on that pretty soon. <laughs> Yeah, you better get out quick before they lock down the paint store. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, here that's that's becoming a problem. Absolutely. Well, man, I, I kind of wanted to jump into this interview. I'm 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 really honored and and privileged to get to speak with you today, and I wanted to jump in on this topic of uh, the your revival services that that people have been watching online, hosted by your church, and uh, could you tell us? A little bit about how that started. I know there's preachers like Landon Gore and Myron Weidman Jr., Victor Jackson, all these incredible speakers uh, that were lined up to preach to us online. And I got to tell you, man, I've been so blessed by it, and I want to thank you for doing it. Uh, but could you tell us a little bit about how that all started? Hey, uh, well, you know, uh, at, obviously with this uh, coronavirus situation, we were in a pickle here. Let's um, see. We've been going, we've been having your revival. We've gone 11 straight nights now. Last night was our 11th straight night. So um, I guess 12 days ago, it was a Monday, and uh, we realized that we were going to be uh, having to discontinue our services. And right, and right. the you know the consensus overall from the feedback that I was kind of feeling was just this sense of um, fear and, and uh, what are we going to do and so I just took it to the Lord in prayer on that Monday, and uh, really the Lord just spoke to me and just said, you know, Matt, you need to think 
uh, offense, not defense. And so I text my administrative pastor that night, and I just said, hey, Jacob, um, I want you to start thinking offensively, not defensively. How can we use this for the uh, advancement of the kingdom? And then uh, woke up about 6.30 on Tuesday morning, and we uh, it just all came to me. Just the moment I woke up, it was like God just gave me this idea of, hey, instead of pushing it, you know, trying to just have less church. That's kind of been our tagline, you know, not less church, but more and uh, more church. So, uh, yeah, I just put it, got out my notes and wrote it out. Hey, here's what we're going to do. And then um, 8.30 is our staff meeting every morning, uh, every Tuesday morning. So obviously I went right into staff after I wrote that down and I told my staff, hey, here's the plan. And uh, we uh, we started making calls. And by two o'clock that afternoon, we had everything lined up. Um, of course, you know, we we're already set up digitally pretty good. But we we went with a format like uh, we started using Crowdcast. I've done a few conferences on Crowdcast or whatever. So I was familiar with that right, right. software. And uh, yeah, and we just we just got it lined up and, and uh, we're kind of going for that. The grainy, less professional look, just, hey, we're all quarantined in together and it's uh, it's it's worked out well. I mean, we've we've uh, we've had uh, amazing giving, which is indicative of great numbers. And of course, you know, everybody's seeing all these great, fantastic numbers and we're uh, we're blessed. Our church, you know, I'm really blessed because this uh, my staff, obviously, I think if you would went in with any other staff and said, hey, we're going to do 11 straight nights and we're going to have every preacher in Pentecost, they would have freaked out and we're going to set up this thing and we got to have it done you know, by two o'clock today. Um, but right, right. that's amazing. I, I really do. We've been through, my church is a little different and perhaps the way I think is different because of what we've been through. You know, we went through Hurricane Harvey. We had 86 families flood and lost their homes. Oh, and then uh, and then we had 18 days of no power. We fed our, literally fed our entire city for 10 days and helped rebuild about $1.3 million worth of uh, goods went through our church. And we did that just with my staff of about eight people. And then two years, you know, then two years later, we had uh, last year we had uh, Imelda came and flooded forty-one of our family members. So anyway, you know, in a way that while it was very negative, it, it kind of prepared us. Our church is kind of very set up. Our mindset is, hey, we've been through this, we've done it, and so our staff is like. I don't know. We're geared for disaster, if that makes sense. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and I, it's not I like something that. that we had all planned on, you know, when I moved here five years ago. But the Lord, uh, the Lord definitely uh, prepared us. So I think our minds think a little di- bit different now because we're just, you know, everything we've been through. That is so awesome, man. So yeah. how, how long have you been pastoring there? Well, I was elected in June of 2015. So, um, so wow. that's, Yeah. Yeah, we're going on five years. Well, man, I, I rejoice with you guys and just the revival that you're having. And, uh, you know, all the way here in Georgia, man, it just thrills my heart when I can look and online and see other churches, other pastors having revivals. So I thank God for that, man. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the call of God. And this podcast, thankfully, has a lot of listeners that are uh, young ministers, just so you can get an idea of maybe who you're speaking to on this podcast is a, uh, a wide demographic, but a lot of young ministers that feel a call to preach. Would you mind sharing when you first felt a call to preach on your life, and was it a one-time experience or a series of events when you felt called? Uh, you know, it's a great question, and 
I um, I would definitely you know just the short answer to there is definitely it would be across the the board as a series of events, um, but you know credit lots of that to the way I was raised in the sense that growing up you know my grandparents uh, were not ministry my dad was first generation ministry now my grand my grandfather on my mother's side couldn't read or write my grandfather on my dad's side was a diesel mechanic and a potato farmer. Um, so, but, but as, as a, as a, you know, my grandfathers, both and grandmothers, it was very, very high regard for ministry. The pastor, uh, the only time that I remember my grandfather spanking my sister was when she said something bad about the pastor and it wasn't even that big of a deal. It was kind of just something derogatory, you know, but Mm -hmm. he said, you know, you never speak ill of the man of God in our home. And he was high held in, I mean, regarded higher than the president of the United States and, and then, of course, my dad, uh, growing up, um, you know, we, we didn't have any kind of video and television. I still don't have television. But uh, when I was eight or nine, we, we right, being raised on the mission field, um, part of my homeschool uh, schooling was homeschool. And so they brought in these VHS players for a Becca homeschool videos. And that's when, um, you know, my grandmother started sending us videos of, uh, you know, uh, Wayne Huntley and Jeff Arnold and T.F. Tenney and. And then, of course, we had a whole wall of tapes with Brother Booker and Brother Pugh and uh, Brother Ballestero. So I grew up watching these. I didn't have I didn't I don't know the movie stars of the world, but they my movie stars were preachers. And so that is awesome. My, the highest calling that uh, the greatest thing you could be in my home growing up was a preacher. So, of course, you know, as a young man and I believe firmly what you place before your children's eyes and ears is what they will desire to be. Mm-hmm. And that's why I am a huge advocate of limiting you know, worldly entertainment, because that's what our yes. children aspire to. And let's make ministry the highest calling and the grandest thing that you could be. And so my okay. heart desired that, you know, as a young man. Um, but as far as the Lord, just, you know, obviously I, I was very, uh, I was kind of a uh, introverted young person, child. I was not extremely extroverted and uh, didn't really have the confidence, fearful of standing before people. I think the typical things most people probably deal with in that sense. But I remember being 15 years old at Oregon District Youth Camp and Brother Godwin had preached and it was just a powerful move of the Lord. And and, and the Lord just said, hey, Matt, you know, if I've uh, if I've called you, I'll 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 take care of the fear. And you just say yes to anything I ask you to do. And so from there on out, that was my uh, that's been my motto, kind of, Lord, if the Lord asks, I say yes, wherever that leads, and this is where I am today. So it's uh, it's really, really an amazing, amazing journey that God has led me on. Man, that is so awesome, Brother Tuttle. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing that I've really been uh, focusing on on the podcast is, is uh, the concept of the importance of daily devotion, daily walk with Jesus Christ. And when I get the opportunity to speak to men of God like yourself, um, I like to ask uh, if you would mind sharing some of your daily spiritual disciplines. I know that's not something that we often just talk about out loud. It's our time with God. But would you mind sharing uh, some of your day-to-day devotions and what that looks like for you personally? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't think it's I don't know. I, 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 I'm sorry. I haven't gone back and listened to any of your podcasts. Oh, that's I, okay. Until, but Man, so, it's honored to so have you here guys, now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> here, I, here we are, you know, right? Some <laughs> guys may have some uh, very complex things, but I'm just, uh, I, you know, I begin my day with prayer and, um, and then uh, Bible, Bible reading. 
uh, I try to pray the Bible. I and I'm a I'm a firm believer. You know, I teach our church the importance, if at all possible, praying in the sanctuary. I really believe that from the porch to the altar, that God, there's just something powerful. And I understand now that you know quarantine has reinforced the bu- the building isn't. I understand the church. However. There's something powerful about setting yourself and taking the time to just get out of, of where you are. And, and, and yeah. for me, that's yeah. works for me. And I we're just, I guess we're, just yeah. we're talking about what works for me. And it's changed my church. Our church uh, prays at the sanctuary. And so um, I'm intentional. It's also intentional. You have to get dressed. You have to get up. You have to take mm-hmm. a shower, comb your hair. It's like I'm going on and I've got an appointment with the God of heaven and earth. And um, I know he can hear me in my pajamas and I pray in my pajamas at night, but in the morning, that's my strategy. Um, and so then praying scripture, I'm, I'm a, our church is praying scripture constantly and I'm a big proponent of prayer, praying. I've prayed the entire Bible through many times and that's where God will really, really speak to you. And then the final thing that I do is I meditate, uh, scripture, you know, meditation has kind of taken a bad rap from the sense of the Middle Eastern you know, sense of, of, of meditation, but sure, uh, sure. I, am a proponent of a quiet place and, um, and just his, his word, meditating upon his word or just meditating upon the things of the Lord, trying to, uh, I do use breathing exercises, you know, I know that maybe sure. sounds weird, but yeah, in yeah. those exercises, calming myself and using the word of the Lord. Um, and if it's a beautiful day, I try to get outside 15, 20 minutes and just meditate. It's very powerful. So uh, I would say that that's my uh, that's my routine in the morning. I, of course, now with the quarantine, I'm having to go. I thank the Lord. We have a little guest suite and I can get into that. And that's my sanctuary. But um, wherever you are, daily, daily prayer um, and then um, scripture is very important. I have a journal that I keep. Obviously, um, I always say I have a my to do list and my prayer journal, because if you can't remember what you've got to do for a day, get down <laughs> Pray and the devil will remind you. Right. So, uh, you know, as soon as I go down to pray, the devil tells me everything I've still got to do. So I have a to-do list. I make my to-do list. And then uh, <laughs> and that way I'm not worried about that. And then as God speaks to me, uh, I can write, I can journal that down in prayer and reference that, you know, for content and preaching sometimes, or just as a nice journal for my personal life and advancement. So, yeah. Man, I, I thank you for sharing those practical tips. I, I really feel like my generation now i'm you know i i just turned 29 so you know i'm still trying to remember that i'm not 19 or 20 years old anymore but the right. the, the generation underneath me you know the the generation z uh, i think yeah. one of the things that they we struggle with the most is uh that daily time with god so i i want to thank you for that that's some great practical advice now I consider you to be just one of the most dynamic preachers of this generation, and and you've blessed us in so many conferences, so many churches, Uh, and I was wondering if you would mind sharing uh, your sermon prep process, and that could be as spiritual or practical as you would like it to be, or are you manuscript, how do you prepare your notes, things like that. What does that process look like for you? Well, you know, I appreciate the kind words. I don't in any way consider myself those things, but uh, I'm thankful that the Lord has used me. I, uh, you know, and back to that previous point, another thing that's helped me tremendously on the previous point 
is I took my phone several months ago and I, I, I don't have it next to my bed anymore. It used to be I flipped over out of bed and I picked up my phone first thing in the day. And I've, I've kind of taught my MITs this and it really has changed them, my ministers in training. Mm. Put your phone in the living room, put it maybe somewhere where you have to get up. And, and if, so that, that way, the first thing you do when you get up is prayer and not phone. But back to the question here on uh, preparation of sermons and so forth. Um, you know, I, a thought normally comes to me in prayer, reading or listening, probably as it is with most young ministers and ministers mm-hmm. as a whole. Right. And um, um, I uh, then use, you know, uh, I use the Bible, the Mac program, Accordance, to do word studies. I'm a big I study words um, and uh, my lexicon or whatever you have. Right. The, right. But um, uh, I am a manuscript. I type my notes. I'm and, and I'm actually very. Um, if you don't have an opinion, call me. I'll give you one. That's what my wife always says. You know? But um, I'm very opinionated, and so I don't mean this in the sense that it has to be my way or the highway. But sure. I, the way I feel is that um, a, a meal that's marinated and well prepared is more enjoyable. And uh, I always say, if you invite me to dinner and I show up and you've not prepared, uh, I'm, I'm going to get frustrated. If you try to decide what we're going to eat when I get there, you know, I think you could have. <laughs> premeditated, have purchased the ingredients and have the steak already marinated, right, right. you know, uh, then uh, let's go from there. But uh, and, and scripture really backs that up. You know, I mean, it indicates you read in Chronicles and Kings when they prepared. I mean, it was in it was very detailed preparations. God shows up to the place where the preacher didn't even have to preach. So um, that was an amazing thing. Of course, uh, God is again, decency and order. Um, and we, uh, we look at all the ark. We look at, look at everything God, from the, from Noah's ark to, uh, the, t- t- uh, the plan of the tabernacle, tabernacle plan, the division of the tribes, yes. the study your body, study the universe. God is a God of decency and order, preparation and planning. And I am, I'm not an advocate of someone not preparing. Uh, right, right. so I'm very, very planned. I type word for word. Amen. God anoints me, uh, it, I'm telling you, one of the most anointed times. Uh, it's, it's amazing I haven't broken keyboards because I'll be hammering on that keyboard and, <laughs> and tears will be streaming down my face and, and I can just feel his presence. I feel his presence right now just talking about preparing to be with him. And and so uh, uh, and then I will uh, I will I have a word maximum. I'll never go over a certain number of words because I think the most important thing a preacher can know is when to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do color code. I color code my notes. So I have, uh, for example, if I'm going into a story, it's going to be highlighted one color. If I'm going into a, uh, uh, a high point, it's going to be another color. If it is a Bible verses, uh, I always, the, the entire text is then uh, a different color. That way I can basically, so, and then I, I memorize but I have those notes there so that I can I can look down from the distance. So I don't necessarily have to see the words. I can see the colors. And I know, for example, if I'm going to ask wow. the congregation a question, that's going to be in green. So I'm back here and I'm, I'm preaching and I'm in uh, the yellow section. So I'm in a high part, but I see green coming. I know my question's coming, so I know how to work with inflection and, and create a, you know, a better way to communicate. So I, I maybe I over-prepare, but I definitely – am a proponent of, uh, of being very, very, very well, well prepared. And then knowing when to conclude, you know, if I'm listening to young guys, 
I teach my young preachers, and and I am a young preacher. You and I are basically the same age. I mean, I'm 38, so <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> I always say you preach Young the man. age in minutes, you know, so if you're you're 20, preach 20 minutes and never exceed. I'm 38, so I try to say around that 38 to 40 minute mark. And someone said, well, what, Pastor, what what do I do? You know, what what about the guy that's 70? I'm like, when he's 70, he knows he shouldn't preach 70 minutes, you know, so <laughs> yeah. uh, you once you're preaching that long, you know, but Anyway, that's that's kind of how. Does that answer that question? I mean, absolutely, uh, yes, sir. I mean, I love the uh, the color concept of how you know what's coming based on colors. That is fascinating. I love that. I, I might have to start implementing that into my life. That's brilliant. <laughs> now, um, I, this is somewhat of an unusual question, but yeah, uh, and, and I'll state it like this: What has been a challenge for you in ministry? And how did you overcome that challenge? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's such a broad question. I think every phase of ministry brings with it new challenges. Right. You know, so right. whether that's, you know, when the initial challenge uh, as a young preacher was obviously a fear, you know, overcoming mm-hmm. stage fright. And I still have it tremendously. Uh uh, fear of not having content. Uh, and those those were challenges, you know, and, and learning to the disciplines of, as you've already said, the, the, the disciplines of developing your daily devotion, learning the difference in when am I studying, when am I reading just for, for devotion, developing all of that. And I think it just takes time. Um, then, of course, you know, going into uh, the challenge of paying for my bill as an evangelist. And then right. Of course, pastoring then on the mission field brought new challenges with a different culture and a different language, and then uh, challenge. And then now I pastor here in the United States and um, a multi generational church that's eighty seven years old. So it's got its challenge. So it's it's a hard question to answer, but I think probably the the you know my my fear fear was a major thing I had to overcome the fear of of uh, insecurity. Can I am I can I do this? You know, I mean, I grew up watching Jeff Arnold and Wayne Huntley there. They are the premier, the, the, and, right. uh, right. you know, and can I, can I be what God has called me to be? And, and, and I overcame it by, I think the fears. Now I look at fear as a good thing. Instead of looking at that derogatorily, I look at it in the sense of, uh, it's motivational. It's probably what forces and drives me to study harder than most because I'm, that fear of, of, of failure, fear of not having content pushes me to have more and uh, content right. than maybe needed. So, and then, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know the, the way I've over, you know, counseling as a young pastor, I started pastoring when I was 29, you know, how am I going to, as counseling people that were my parents age, you know, uh, right. wow. that, those were major challenges and, uh, but prayer through prayer, you, you, if you will learn to pray, you know, and truly connect with God, it's uh, it's how you overcome. And I, I know that sounds, some of you say, well, that prayer is just the easy answer. It, if you've ever prayed and developed a prayer life, it's not the easy answer. Right. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. So wow. uh, prayer, 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 true prayer, it, it, it really is the key to overcome all obstacles. Man, that's awesome. So uh, one thing about uh, just, and I know I'm kind of backtracking here just a little yeah. bit about preaching, but uh, it just hit me. I feel like it'd be a crime for me not to get to ask you about this. Sure, You sure. are uh, somewhat of the uh, king of 
illustrations when it comes to having a a physical object either in your hand, something on the platform. And and I want to talk about, we'll talk about NAYC in a moment. Of course, had the ruler. When you preached here in Georgia, you had the the stones. You laid stones up on the platform. Um, And and I've noticed that you you do that a lot. I, I... uh, somebody told me about a message you preached where there was a fish in a in a tank. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wish I could have been there for that moment. Oh my goodness! But when did that begin for you? Because it is so effective and it is so unique to you. Um, when did that begin, and how did those illustrations come to you? Oh, that's a great question. I, uh, you know, I'm a visual learner myself. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I'm a geometry over algebra. I, I can see the shapes. I can see the. It makes sense to me. Um, so, and I believe most people are more, you communicate more powerfully with the illustration. So most people don't remember the title of my message. They don't remember the scripture I read. They just remember, oh yeah, that's where you almost killed the goldfish. Oh, that's where you broke the rulers. That's where you, (laughs) the stones, that's where the glasses broke or whatever, you know? And, and so obviously I'm, um, it comes to me sometimes like that, you know, it comes to me visually. Um, sometimes I'll have a thought and the illustrations just there with it. You know, I think it's how God speaks to me. It's, I am intentional about that. I am with every message looking, Hey, how now, obviously on the day to day, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, I'm not able to put an an illustration with every message I preach. But if, I mean, I always am looking in there, you know, saying, Hey, where can I illustrate this more powerfully? Um, so that's kind of that's kind of how it's come to me. Some of them are, yeah. It's, I, I don't know if there's just a set way. I really feel like the Lord gives it to me, if that makes sense. And it's because of my personality. I am, I'm a little bit, you know, attention deficit disorder. I need something to keep me on track. So that illustration helps, if that makes sense. Yeah, man, I love that. I, you know, just staying on track with the illustration vein. You know, NAYC. Um, last year it's hard to believe it's 2020 and NYC was already last year but right, <laughs> but right, that's right. crazy to me it feels like it was a month ago but um, you preached uh, I want to talk a little bit about that experience and you preached that you can't measure a miracle where we played a clip of that sermon at the beginning of this podcast and um I don't, you know, I know you probably had a thousand things going on. There's 36,000 people around you. I was standing probably about 10 feet from you on the platform. I was, oh, how cool. I, I was on the praise team and, and, um, and you had asked us to bring up the kind of like the yardsticks, not the yeah. small rulers, but yeah. we brought up yeah. the big rulers and you yeah, asked us so all, cool. uh, you asked us all to, to put our microphones on it and snap it. Right. And yeah. so. We all snapped it at the same time. I, I I would think anybody listening to this podcast knows the moment I'm talking about when we broke the rulers. And for me on that platform, when those rulers broke, it it sounded like thunder. I don't oh, know if I, it was. I don't know if there was spiritual audio added to it in my mind, but it felt like thunder and the kingdom of hell being broken. Oh. Uh, Oh, thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost just thinking I about it, man. Too. I do too. Uh, but I, I was, I was probably ten feet away from you, and I just remember 
thanking God for you, and uh, I'm not trying to be emotional, but I just was so thankful for what God did in that moment. And I know I was just some random dude standing 10 feet from you on the praise team, but I I wanted to be able to tell you in person uh, how much that meant to me. My wife and I, my wife and I had a rare opportunity. We got to sing on the praise team together. So my wife and I literally were standing together the whole conference singing. And so we're up there you know, united in marriage, just breaking these rulers right. <laughs> for our house. Right. My wife was, uh, we have two boys, Judah and Ezra. My wife was six months pregnant singing on the platform. Wow. And wow. Ezra is now five months old. And we take those rulers and, yeah. um, goodness, I'm getting emotional thinking about yeah. it because God has been so faithful. But yeah. we take those rulers and we put them on our bills <laughs> every oh, month. Yeah. We how take them, we put them on top of our bills. And every month, uh, when we say, God, we've made this sacrifice for ministry, God, we've yes. we've laid that income aside because we want to be available for you. And Lord, we left that job because we wanted to be able to do this for you. And we take it and we, yes. we lay that ruler on those bills and we say, you can't measure a miracle. You cannot yes. measure what God is going to do. So I just, I just want to say thank you for letting God use you. And could you tell us a little bit about that experience? What was that like preaching at an event like that? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I just feel that, you know, tears, I've, I've gone from just smiling, tears streaming down my face and, Jesus. you know, chills all over just with you recounting and, and that uh, moment, you know, and of course, that was a single moment that was just a kind of the culmination of what everyone had worked for. You know, you, you say, you know, I, I was just me and my wife and no, I mean, it was you and your wife and an amazing youth committee. Uh, every preacher, brother Cunningham the night before who just set us up for, you know, what God had. And of course, Mark Brown preaching so strong with conviction and then brother and Raymond Duncan and of course, brother Carson. And, and I don't want to go down the list, but with everyone, but yeah, it was so every, good. every young person in the building, every one of the 36,000, it was not me. It was us. I mean, we were in there together. It was yes. us together. And it, it was, it was, it was an explosive environment that was just, you, just needed a spark. And it just, and that, that moment when you know that ruler broke, it was that was definitely that spark, and and uh, uh, it was amazing. I, of course, it was the honor of your life, you know, you um, uh, to be able to preach at a meeting like that. That the chances of that happening to a ministry is is very very slim, right. you know, and um, and I know that, but um, but so I, man, God, just it was a high honor. I, when I was invited, obviously my first response was, well, let me ask my pastor. I always ask my pastor and he felt good about it. And then, uh, man, I, uh, was freaking out a little bit to be honest with you, you know? And so I, I'm sure. I, I was intentional, made contact with the guys that had preached, uh, the, especially specifically the Friday night service, brother estate and brother bounds, brother Tony, and, uh, spoke with them kind of how they had gone to preparing it. And it was just, the same same exact thing. They all told me the same thing. Hey, you want to just be you, be you. And and Aaron told me. He said, Matt. He said, you just want to treat it like it's a Sunday night service. He said, don't don't go in and be something you're not. And uh, so that's what I did. I did. And uh, I actually had two messages. I, I I initially knew, you know, you can't measure a miracle. That's I'd had it. But then two or three days before, I don't know if it was second guessing or whatever. There was another thought, and I was like, oh man. 
So I actually had the AV people ready. I was going I had two routes I could go, but the night before, wow. uh, I went to, uh, you know, standing there and the Lord really did say, you know, Hey, look up. And when I saw those empty seats and I'm sorry, people are texting. Me, oh no, that's okay, brother. No, but don't worry anyway, about it. Don't look worry up, about these, it. um, look up at these empty seats. And I, I, I saw that and, um, the only words that God had given me that I specifically had to share was that this isn't big. This is the beginning. Mm. And, um, and, yeah. and, and where our mindset, I felt like the movement could be shifted. And I think that's coming to pass right now in this coronavirus. I don't know how many people have texted me in this, you know, Hey Matt, it's not big, it's beginning. And we're going now to, we, we are reaching millions and millions of people through this, you know, coronavirus thing. So I knew that was the word. That was really the sentence God gave me. And and I built, you know, the message and what I'd preached around that sentence. And uh, and then, man, when those empty seats, when I saw those the night before and God really spoke to me, hey, lift up, you know, we're celebrating 37,000 that are here. But what about all the ones that aren't? And and I knew that God was going to move powerfully. Uh, So uh, it was it was amazing. You know, you, now as far as the logistics, I'm, I'm sure as young preachers, you know, several have asked about the logistics. Hey, what's it like? It was actually challenging because um, of the lighting. You're, not, you're really unable to see um, your congregation. I couldn't see my crowd. And you're so far from your crowd, you couldn't feel your crowd. So as a Pentecostal preacher, we're very accustomed to hearing the amen. It's kind of like preaching on live stream now, mm-hmm. you know, is really what it was like. And uh um, I couldn't hear myself super good, couldn't see really, it, but past the third row. Um, so for the first few moments, you know, I really felt like I was just in a total failure. It was just nothing was happening. You know, I was like, this is a disaster. And wow. Um, and so and I was limited. A lot of people don't know this, but I was limited because the 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 auditorium, we only had it rented through like, I think, 1030 or something. So my time, I only had, you know, I had a limited amount of time for us to, in order for us to have an altar call. Pre service had gone longer, way longer than they had expected. Yeah. And so, we cut a song that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 We had to cut a So I, so like I was coming in on a different song that I had told me I was coming in on, and it had gone longer and it felt totally flat when I took it, just to be honest, you know. Oh, and goodness. so. You know, the first 10 or 15 minutes was like, I, I'm, I literally, this sickness in my stomach, we're not getting there. It's not. And then I, when we threw the lights up, you know, the Lord gave me that the night before and thank God he did. We threw those lights up on those empty seats. I could feel a rumble. Like it changed. Like, oh, it just, it I could feel it under, under me. And at that moment, it was like the Holy Ghost came and I knew we're going to be okay. God's going to, God's going to do exactly what he promised he was going to do. And uh, we're going to tear down hell's kingdom tonight and let him know he's defeated so um i i did it happened it happened so that is so powerful man i you know uh serving on the music team that night uh we were we were gonna sing uh miracle worker and we right you know as the, the the music team gives this unique opportunity to to know your sermon title because we're we're there for the run through that they do um where, you know, they run through, for people listening, they actually run through these services. You don't preach the whole message, but we sing all the songs just like we would in church with nobody in the stadium. And then, you know, I, I'm i sure you remember they have you come in. They let you know right. when you're going to come up. And so we were going to sing 
miracle worker. And it, it's so funny you you talked about that first ten minutes because God God really convicted me on that personally because I remember feeling like I was that total arrogant praise team member for like 0.5 seconds before <laughs> before God convicted me and said, be quiet. Cause I was like, we didn't do miracle worker. How in the right. world is God gonna, you know, <laughs> I was so, oh my goodness. My, yeah. For yeah. like five seconds, my spirit was so bad. And God, right. God slapped me upside the head and said, that was your plan, but I had my own plan. And <laughs> So, man, I just I thank God for somebody like yourself that can step into that moment when things change. I mean, the whole service kind of had to change in that moment. And I I did look at my wife and I'm not just saying this because I'm on the phone with you. But I said, well, if anybody can recover after that, it's Matthew Tuttle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind, you know. I definitely didn't, uh, definitely was questioning my own, you know, what am I feeling? And the dynamics were just, like you said, none of us were ready for that. But I'm thankful we serve a God, like you said, that said, just kind of showed us, hey, biggest night perhaps of the apostolic movement of North America. And I'm just going to show you guys, by the way, um, (laughs) I love you guys, but I I can do it without you, you know? So it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. And and thank you guys for what you did. I mean, the worship and the praise and the, my boy, you know, listens to the, uh, on YouTube, you know, youth Congress music. It's, it's all day, every day, nonstop. So, uh, I appreciate that, your sacrifice and, uh, I mean, hard, hard work. Y'all just, killed it unbelievable oh, so thank you thank sir you. it was it was a high honor to to be a small part of it now uh, on thursday night and the the thing is is the problem is i could i could literally keep you here for four hours talk to you all day and yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I i won't do that for the sake of kindness because i certainly could but uh, i i want to kind of wrap things up in this vein yeah. and 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 we're on the topic of youth congress on on thursday night uh, yeah. And and I've been able to ask this question uh, to to a lot of men of God, and it's just blessed me to hear your unique perspective on it. But Thursday night, Brother Jack Cunningham, he preached about uh, being apostolic to the core, and uh, yeah. he addressed Generation Z as the, the last generation that Jesus was coming back. And yeah. it, it convicted me, it, it shook me, uh, because I am not Generation Z, <laughs> and I no. feel like it's weird to me because, you know, you feel like a teenager forever sometimes, you know, and, and yeah, it hit yeah. me at Congress. I'm like, because I'm 29 and, and, and I had this great opportunity to be a part and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm kind of the old guy that's not, you know, like I'm kind of that generation right above them now. Right. I don't view myself that way, but that's, that's how teenagers are viewing me and my wife. And that has been a, a shift for me, something that God's been convicting me about. And so my question is this, what does Generation Z need to work on to make sure that we remain apostolic to the core? And how can millennials make sure that we're setting the example for them to do that? Wow, that's a great question. Um you know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything, um, um, other than what every other generation has done. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. personal relationship with God that's deep and real. And it's, um, um, it's, uh, uh Bible reading your Bible, uh, being faithful to your daily personal relationship with God. I, I, you can't stress that enough. And then, 
Um, but as far as the as far as of course, I believe there's great non-apostolic people that do have daily devotion and have right. those things as well that are not apostolic. So how do we maintain? Wow, yeah, that you know, uh, I I would say it. I really think it comes down to. Um, more, you know, it's, it's more than what I do. It's who I am. I really love, I love this. I love this. It's, uh, we're very experience driven. You know, we create worship experiences. Um, I think it's more than just an experience. It truly is a lifestyle that you love. Like I, uh, I have to love the doctrine and I feel like if there's something that we should tweak or that maybe you know, not to in any way to be critical, sure, but one yeah. way that we can be better. And then I think that's the question you're asking for yeah. Generation Z is is to love this doctrine and to, you know, it's more than knowing it. You, you the, the devil knows, the, our enemy knows our doctrine. Yeah. It is loving wow. it because they had not a love for the truth. And mm. so there's a, you've got to know it, but you've got to love it. And I, I see some discrepancies there between the, you know, say the greatest generation, our parents, you know, us, and then of course, uh, beyond is there, there was such a knowledge and love for doctrine, doctrinal preaching, yes. doc teaching. It was less motivational and it was much more informative, instructive mm -hmm. and yeah. teaching, you know? So now yeah, you point. have this, um, this thing where everything we do is very, very, and I'm, I mean, I, I love it. I love motivational. I love illustrational. We've already talked about that. I yeah. love that. Mm -hmm. But I, to be honest with you, what I love more than anything is someone that teaches doctrine, that teaches principle. And so I've got to love it. And I think you'll fall in love with it when you start defending it. When you start being a turn, becoming that he that winneth souls is wise. Your wisdom increases. Your wisdom yes. increases when you start defending what you believe. And if you've never defended it, you'll never fall in love with it. But you've got to get out. You've got to become active in winning the lost because that's where you'll be challenged on the oneness of God. And as you're challenged, you'll love it more. And when you're challenged on the new birth, you'll love it more. And and holiness and life, holiness, our lifestyle, the way we look and dress, you know, and really the challenge, the measuring stick could be if you don't know how to explain what the gospel is, using scripture then you're not then you're not where you need to be if we can't give a bible study on the new birth without a chart we're not where we need to be if we can't defend our lifestyle as far as why our women don't cut their hair and the pants versus skirt and all that yes without, without having you know you should be able to do that on the fly on the street corner those are principal core doctrines and so I and, and then how does our generation, how does the millennial generation X, how does that generation, you know, get that into the generation Z? I think you have to preach it and teach it and live it and yes. just and show the beauty of it. I, right. I, I, I'm the high honor has been mine to preach all over the world now to generation Z primarily. And the reception I get when I preach lifestyle, when I preach doctrine it's it's mind boggling. The mm. the fear of preaching holiness living is not from from the the younger generation. They they want it. They want it. They want a cause. I I've been declaring that everywhere I go. I'm like our world is looking for a cause. The 
the homosexual agenda is being pushed, not by homosexuals. Mm. Only 2% of our population is homosexual. But what's pushing that agenda is young people and people that need a cause. They want a banner. They want yeah. a flag to fly. Wow. And I'm like, we've got the best flag. We have Phew. got – you want to rebel against the culture that's current? Well, join our team. That's what we're doing. We're rebelling my, against my, the my. adversary. Yes. And Give them a cause. Give them a cause. Don't be ashamed of who we are. Live it. Live it loud. Live it proud. And uh, and 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 I think that's how we, as Generation X, and Generation Millennials, and and above and beyond, can reach down to this Generation Z upon which the ends of the earth have come, and let them know, hey guys, this works. This is more than just an experience. This is a lifestyle. Right, so. Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel, you know, I really do. I'm passionate about it. I, I love this apostolic truth. And, Thank uh, you, Jesus. I had a young guy, well, not a, I had a peer of mine call me recently. He'd heard me preach, and I'd been hitting some stuff pretty hard on lifestyle. And he said, Matt, if you could just drop the, you know, drop a few of those things, he's, you, your your crowd could get so much bigger and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, I, and I really, I, I, I said, well, first, I said, here's what I want you to understand is that I— I'm not preaching this based upon some tradition. He kept using traditions. And I said, it's, I said, it's not tradition to me. I said, it's love. Like I, I said, you've not taken the consideration that I love it. I love the way we look. I don't make fun of the way my grandmother did her hair. I don't make fun of the way my mother dresses. Right. I love it. I, I love Man, the way good. we run aisles. I love the way we worship. I love the way we look. I love the way our family units are put together. I love, I love app. And if you, that's what will make you die. You'll die for something you love, not something you just know. And, uh, and so I pray as I preach, as I minister, and, in, and part of my devotions, at least once a week, is for the generation behind us that they'll fall in love with it. My kids will fall in love with it. So I don't know if that's a good enough answer, but that's that's how I feel. Oh goodness, thank you, thank you for that answer, man. And I, for the title, I just I want you to know that I, I feel privileged and, and honored by your friendship and getting to speak with you today. And uh, I just I I want you to know I feel blessed and I feel like. I'm walking away from this conversation a better person. And for those that are listening, I wonder if you wouldn't mind to pray over us in closing today. Absolutely. Again, thank you for the high honor and privilege of allowing me to speak to your audience. And thank you for what you're doing for the apostolic movement. Uh, you, of course, and your family. I admire your uh, your father, your brother. You guys are just uh, an amazing family. And I, uh, I honor you. And I honor all of our ministry that's listening. And I just I thank you for being a part of, of this podcast today. But let's pray. Father, thank we thank you, Lord, thank you, for your goodness and what you are for us. Thank you, Father, that we can be known as your children and call the creator of heaven and earth. Father, thank you for your grace, Father, that finds us and gives us teachings and how we should live soberly and righteously in this present world. I, I pray now, Lord, for those that are listening, wherever they may be, if they're in their car traveling, if, if they listen to this, even while we're still under quarantine, that your peace and grace would be with them. Any spirit of fear, Lord, that would try to hold them back. I pray for the young ministers and those that are beginning the their ministry. Father, that they would not get so caught up in the, the details, and, but, but they would get caught up in the relationship, that their love for you would grow. And as they love you, they would love your truth, your word, everything about this great apostolic lifestyle. Lord, we are blessed to live in the greatest time of the history of humanity. And I pray, Father, now that as we look to the fields that are white to be harvested, that you would stir our souls to have a revival like we've never seen before. Let us become uncomfortable with where we are. Let us become bold with what we have. 
and let us see the harvest that you have at our hands. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Brother Tuttle, I, brother, thank you so much for your time. I, I'm I'm thankful to have gotten to know you this year, and I'm looking forward to lots of fellowship in the future. Thank you, my friend. Yes, sir. Please stay in touch. We love you. God bless. God bless. Bye bye.